and welcome to season two of the Future Positive Podcast, part of the Future Positive Community. I'm your host, Head of Customer Education and Engagement at Capitalize. And as always, I'm joined by my uh, my partner in crime, Kirsty McGregor, founder of the Corporate Finance Network. Good afternoon, morning, wherever you are, Kirsty. I am I'm in the UK actually now. So well done, Phil. I've got to say the first to publicly congratulate you on your promotion and new job title. Well, thank and you it's very all much. for the new world, isn't it? For the and, new and world we're in. Absolutely. It's quite a big mouthful to say when I'm doing a podcast <laughs> intro, to be fair. Of course, when this podcast goes out, it'll be old news and 42,000 things that have happened since then. But uh, but no, no, thank you very much. Um, it's it's good. It's I, like like I love what I do and I think it, I, I've always loved what I do and I'm just getting to do more of what I do, which is always good fun. Um, and you know we're, we're entering that that fun period um, as we as we record this, and I'm going to date this. We don't normally date this, but as I record this in August, we've we've started to see the first events and the first live shows and the first award shows come out, and it there's a sense of normality coming back, which is all kinds of lovely and and warm, and it just makes me feel really happy that the world's getting back to being not normal, but kind of better than what it was. So it's it's. Good. And this is our last one of this. Well, our last guest of this this season. I know it's flown, hasn't it? And um, but don't you think people are getting a little bit giddy and, and excitable with it all? It's really lovely, isn't it? But we seem to have gone back to some forgotten world. And I was in the office for the first time yesterday, um, ever, even having yeah. been a role with accountant. Uh, we, we've capitalised as their accountant in residence for a year now. I've never been in the office, so yes. But we've never met. We've never met in person. Yeah, I know. Um, which is which is insane. Bad. It's insane to think we've been working on this podcast for like seven, eight months now. And we've never actually met. Um, yeah. But yeah, and it, you're right. People are getting giddy, and and like, like everything's being done with a degree of caution, and I love that. Like like it's it's the old world, but a, a safer, more kind of sensible, like, sensible mm-hmm. version of it, which is yeah. good. Um, so let's talk about our last guest of season two. Um, so today we have as our guest, um, Ed uh, Revel, who's the SME Lending and Credit Lead for Challenger Bank Starling. Ed has been with Starling since June 2020 and currently heads up the SME Lending Credit Strategy team for the bank. Previous to Starling, he's worked for over 10 years in various roles with some of the UK's biggest banks and SME lenders, including Barclays and Lloyds. As a bank, Starling have recently topped the 2021 Business Banking Survey by the CMA and has consistently been rewarded and acknowledged for its service for both business and personal banking. And from a personal note, they give away the best freebies at events. And I still have my pairs of uh, Starling Bank socks, which I talk about at a very regular version, very regular timing. Um, and I wear, wear them quite frequently. Well, when I actually do wear socks these days. So just want to say, Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's interesting you have Starling socks. Uh, all our new starters get Starling socks. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's very... Uh, much a talking point when I when I get them out, out of the cupboard. Uh, sure and, and not, we don't always wear socks nowadays with everyone working at home. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I wear socks very infrequently. Um, but uh, I remember, I think the first pair I ever got was maybe at an Accountex or a Xerocon. And, and I was just like, oh, these are actually quite nice, quite, quite nice socks. And 
one of the things I've always liked about Starling, you've always had a really good social media team and your social media team's always been great. And like I, I commented one time about something on a post that you guys did. And like two days later, I had a pair of socks and a, a, a pen um, in my uh, in my letterbox. So I was just like, um, I was like, yeah, that's a that's a good win. So um, look, Ed, welcome to the podcast. Really great to, to, to have you here. And, and of course, you know, Kirsty's going to be talking to you about a few bits and pieces. And on that, Kirsty, what are we going to be talking to Ed about today? Thank you, Phil. Well, I think I've got to start by asking Ed. He joined the business in probably the most crazy time he ever could have done in June 2020, as all the chaos with the business um the the bounce back loans and the government various government support schemes was was at its height and i re, i recall watching starlin's um response and and obviously we uh capitalize are in lending so we were involved more in c bills and less in bounce back loans because businesses tended to deal with bounce back loans on their own with their own with their own bank and i saw that starling was absolutely inundated with requirements for new accounts as, as so many businesses didn't have a clearing bank account and needed to access uh, this bounce back loan and it went absolutely crazy I mean but the social media was and, and Anne Bowden was were particularly transparent I thought in explaining the issues that you were having internally having to try and manage that volume was it a real game changer as it appeared from the outside um I mean, whereabouts what where, where were they in June I can't quite remember um they become a BVL uh, accredited by that point haven't they so did you arrive when it was absolute chaos and and were you were you just taking on new business accounts hand over fist then yeah so um I, I was working at Lloyd's when when the pandemic hit and when we when the government launched the bounce back loan scheme um and working in business banking acquisition for, for Lloyd's at that point so I kind of saw bounce back loans tw twice really and not wishing to advertise Lloyd's but um I think bounce back loans were, were good for high street banks it, it it forced them to do something very quickly yeah. They only had a, a few days from the government uh, to, to kind of spin this program up. And on the first day, um, there was they were absolutely inundated with with requests for loans and new accounts. I, I had previously to the previously to the start of the pandemic in February agreed to come across and, and join Starling. And I was um, kind, of, uh, kind of awaiting my my start date with Starling. And, and when I came across, um, Ruth, had, Ruth, I had a lending, um, had kind of pre-warned me that there was uh, obviously a lot of uh, a lot of interest in bounce back loans. Um, regular calls with Anne and the execs as to how we were managing, what we were doing, and how we could support our business customers. And you, you talk about the social media teams, and and Anne herself, she regularly wrote on uh, our own website and on Twitter and other kind of social media platforms about the struggles. It was very difficult. Starting our digital bank, we have many advantages because of that. We're built on a very modern architecture. We don't have the legacy platforms that a lot of the high street banks are, are saddled with. And that is a massive challenge for them. Um, and it's something that is obviously key to our ethos here is that we've built on a modern technology. We can pivot and adapt very quickly. And our engineering teams are, in my view, second to none. They, they absolutely can like, pick up a problem, 
And bounce back loans was a problem, right? It was a something that we were very keen to support our business customers with. And um, but it meant building a whole product set out in, in a matter of days. And the fact that we've got an incredible engineering team and the ethos of the, the co- our colleagues at Starling, we were able to do that. We turned it around very quickly. In May, before I joined, we we were absolutely inundated with requests, both for new accounts uh, and for bounce back loans. And it was a challenge, but we, we got through that challenge, not without issues, but we owned up to the faults that we had and corrected them. And there were challenges and not we didn't do the best first time for every customer but where we didn't we owned it up and we put it right and on the whole we did very well so bounce back loans was was something that really supported our SME customers if you look at it from from just a pure loan point of view we lent over 1.6 billion pounds of lending through the bounce back loan scheme that's over 50,000 SME customers that were supported with with easy lending and, and cheap lending. I mean, it's it's five to 10 year money up to 50,000 pounds and it's two and a half percent. It's not secured from a, from a business point of view. And obviously there's that government support, which was absolutely critical. At the same time, we also were onboarding a, a very significant volume of customers. We were already an SME customer bank um we our lending program was very much in its infancy at the at the point of the pandemic and the the government back schemes enabled us to kind of turbocharge that but it what it did was we saw a huge volume of customers so in the 12 months from from may 2020 we we grew our new account new business account base uh, both for limited companies and for sole traders, by by over two hundred fifty thousand accounts, we now have just over three hundred thousand, fifty thousand business accounts. And whereas some of those customers came to us because we could offer them a bounce back loan, others came to us because they realised that their their current bank wasn't able to support them, or they didn't need a high street presence. And a digital bank with the advantages that we have with the connections to accounting software and our marketplace and, and, and our award-winning app enables business owners to, to run their business account without monthly fees and with a huge amount of features. And, and as Phil said, we've, we've been recognised from that from a kind of a best, a best banking app and a, and a best business account. And, and, and the CMA survey, I think, is really a really good kind of outcome it's 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 customers saying actually yes they really like it and we come to we've come top of that from the business side and and second to second on the on the personal side as well um it's i'm sorry Kirsty, to jump over one thing i want to pick up with you on and just from my own experience i worked for a uh, a legacy bank and like the tech the, the tech point is so valid because uh, one of the challenges we had and Obviously, I have to be relative, cautious just in terms of what I'm saying. But one of the challenges that we we had was the bank's core systems were, were still based on a bit of software from the 70s. So everything was based upon that. And when they couldn't bolt it on, they did it as a standalone. And one of my favorite stories was how like they'd made a load of people redundant for various different things. And it was, there was an old system that we didn't really use very much. But every so often we needed to use it for something. 
And then we got to the point where we need to use it for something. And we went, oh, we need to log into this and we need to use it. Who knows how to do that? Oh, oh, uh, Graham used to do that for us. Okay, where's Graham? Oh, we made him redundant. <laughs> and it turned out that Graham was the only person in pretty much the whole business that could remember and use the software. And we had to phone him up and get him to do a consulting job to help us out. And that's all based on that legacy technology of building on top of, like, and I think it was something like 11, 10, it was thousands upon thousands of different pieces of software, all standalone or working independently. It's amazing how the tech piece, when done right, can underpin that growth and when not done right, can really be a hampering on that. And I think, yeah, credit to you guys for that. My um, my uh, other half has, has got a business account with Starlings and speak from some personal um, understanding of this. And he's actually got, I mean, he loves it. He absolutely loves it. And um, it was my recommendation, to be fair, but he went with them. Um, but he, he's got a, a business, like current account, and he's also got a savings account. And he was really confused at first. He's only had the account for about six months. He was really confused um, that he only got one card, you know, one piece of plastic. Um, and he's like, how, how do I access this savings account? Or oh, it's not, you know, it's a second account. Uh, how do I access that? And, and he really, but then he understood that you have to swap it around on the app. And he just thinks that's amazing. And such a simple thing that I, I don't think, it, it's like building something from the ground up just allows you to be so much more obvious, I suppose, rather than trying to layer on top of, existing practices that are so difficult to turn around it'd be like moving the you know the QE2 around wouldn't it um but it just it must be so you've got such a sense of freedom have you to to innovate and just build something from scratch yeah we absolutely have and and the spaces function which is effectively our kind of savings account for both business and personal customers it's all integrated in the app and you can have as many spaces as you want so for business customers we see customers putting having a space for their tax or their VAT or salaries. And I was, I was at a, um, a show a, a few, few weeks ago and speaking to a business customer and they were saying that that's absolutely critical for them. They can just make sure they move that money across at the, uh, the point of the month that they've got it. So it's ready to pay the salaries or it isn't confusing that they haven't put acquired aside the money for their tax or, or similar. I think that combined with integrations, especially for, for accountants, is, is absolutely it's, it's a game changer for, for our customers. And we get a huge amount of feedback from that. And it's something we're constantly evolving on. The fact that we've got this platform that we built from scratch, uh, it isn't something that we bought from off the shelf. So we're not beholden to another supplier on the whole. We can do it ourselves. And as I said, our, our kind of engineering team have that that ability to to go away and, and build something that, that's required and, and they can do it at pace and there's always prioritization right there, there's there's things i would love to have out there and working today um but it's a case of prioritization and making sure we're doing the best thing that we can and making best use of the time and serving as many customers as we can How's the how's the SME offering evolving at the moment? How how would you like to see it evolve in the future? What can you share with us? And, and I guess at the moment we're talking we're in the mold of of uh, pay as you go with the bounce back situation as repayments are starting there. And have you had issues with defaults? And what about recovery loans scheme? And you know what's going on in the SME world at Sterling? Many many questions all, all at the same time. Let's try let's try and tackle those. So um, obviously, together with bounce back loans, we we had had the coronavirus business interruption loans. So the, the bigger loans. So that's where we were loaning from fifty thousand up to quarter of a million. 
the application process was uh, was was quite smooth initially for for customers. So they just entered a few details, and then it went across to our underwriting teams, and and we would need some 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 more details from from those customers. So management accounts, uh, profit and loss statements, balance sheets, so we could understand the business requirements and ensure that they could afford that lending. Quarter of a million pounds is is a significant amount of money. Uh, for for business to take on uh, as a responsible lender, we need to ensure that we are comfortable. Both the the businesses within our risk appetite, within the sectors that we support, um, and also that they can afford that lending. Um, as Siebel's came to an end at, at broadly the same time, the the bounce back loans came to an end. Recovery loan scheme launched. So on the whole, it's very similar. Uh, so it's an eighty percent guaranteed product from the government. So that's a, a guarantee to to us as the lender. We are still lending out our own money. So we're using our own balance sheet to do that lending. And obviously, again, we need to ensure that we are lending responsibly, both within the appetite that starting have, and also so that the businesses themselves can afford that lending. And we don't want them to be overstretched, especially as we kind of come out of an unprecedented, challenging economic time Yes, the economy is growing and that's really positive, but we need to make sure that we don't set ourselves up and set our customers up for, for a really challenging position. We don't want to set them up to fail. So, yeah, we, we're currently offering recovery loan uh, scheme as a, as a term loan up to a quarter of a million pounds. I'm really keen to, to look to launch, uh, relaunch our business overdraft proposition. Um, that's something that we had pre-COVID. We had a Siebel's overdraft. And we are discussing uh, an RLS overdraft product. Uh, so that's something that we are discussing internally. And ultimately, we'll need to have further discussions with the British Business Bank to, to make sure that that is the right thing for us to do. And, and we make sure we pass on economic benefit to, to our customers for having a level of guarantee. Um, beyond that, so recovery loan scheme runs to the end of this year. Um, so... We, we are actively considering what our next lending proposition should be. So as part of our Capability and Innovation Fund grant um, that, that we won a couple of years ago was, was the, the desire to launch a business credit card. So that's something that I think is, is a really, really important product for, for business customers to, to, to be able to kind of transition their, their full banking relationship to us. And it's a really key kind of cash flow supporting product. So that's something that, that is, is actively being worked on within, within the bank. And obviously we hope to launch that as soon as we can. And um, yeah, I guess more, more news on that to, to, to follow. Further to that, I think that next year we need to be looking at, at launching our own or relaunching our own term loan product, um, assuming that the government guarantee products finish it as they are planned to. And I think initially that would be an unsecured loan up to a quarter of a million pounds or, or there or thereabouts. And we'll work closely with our lending partners and with our customers to understand what the, the appetite for that is. Further to that, I, I'm really keen that we, we look at, at kind of slightly larger lending with, with a level of security, be that a debenture or float, fixed and floating charge or a kind of traditional tangible security commercial mortgage product. Um, I think there are pros and cons to to both of those products, and also like I think there's there's a lot of on more on the retail space. I, I think, but kind of buy now, pay later, shorter term cash flow products. 
those I think need some investigation uh, with, from, from our side as to, as to whether there is a market for starting to go into that kind of product. We don't, we are not a subprime lender. That's not the space that we operate in. So it needs to be something that, that kind of fits with our ethos and our values. And talking about ethos and values, green is, is really important to, to a lot of people and, and Starling have an appetite that means we don't lend or don't provide banking services to um, customers and, and businesses that, that operate in, in kind of fossil fuel sectors and, and sectors that, that just fall outside of our appetite from a kind of ethical or, or kind of environmental standpoint. Something I'm really keen to look at is the possibility of launching a, a kind of green loan um, or the ability to give business customers a discount for when they're doing something right, be it that they're supporting offshore wind or solar panel production or, or, or something similar, or they're really conscious about ESG and, and making sure they're aware of, of where their carbon footprint is and, and trying to reduce that as we, as we all need to. Yeah, I think that the grants market is, um, is not fully developed in that area anyway at the moment. It's very difficult to access, access grant monies for things like that still. And um, it, albeit we've got the, the new National Infrastructure Bank and, and so on, it's not, they don't really seem to be, to be fully on board and, and up and running yet. So that will be, yeah, be brilliant products if Starling could look at something like that. How are you finding, um, unfortunately, just to touch on the more negative side, but how are you managing the issue of potential defaults on the receivables or the bounce backs? Have you, have you obviously you'll have a system, you'll have a, a procedure for all of that. And what's the policy? Yeah, so um, I won't go into I, too much detail about this specific policy, but obviously we, we want to be there to help customers, right? And, and obviously COVID has, has run on longer than anybody hoped for and, and I guess most people thought it would all right bounce back loans had that and Siebel's had that initial 12 month interest free payment free period for for customers to help them get through those challenging times and as of June we, we've started to see repayments um, come due and and something that the British Business Bank have launched is, is pay as you grow so there are three different options for customers to where they are still experiencing challenges with their, the, their business, be it that they've been shut for a longer period of time or they've still had to have staff on, on, on furlough um, and haven't quite got back up to speed yet. So there's the ability, and, and one of the most popular ones we're seeing is, is customers extending that initial six-year bounce-back loan term up to 10 years. See, so that, that spreads out the, the repayment period for customers. It does mean they'll pay more interest across the life of the loan and customers need to be aware of that. They need to know that that total cost of credit will increase if they spread that out. But it it might make sense for them and it's a, it's a decision they need to make themselves. We have support from their accountants and, and others that can help them um, to, to make those decisions and it has to be their decision to do that. What you can also do is, is take a capital repayment holiday for six months which can be used immediately. So you can effectively extend that payment free period out to 18 months. And you can do it in conjunction with the 10 year term that any of these products can be used in conjunction with each other. And the final one is an interest only six month period. So you just pay the interest for six months. And if you haven't taken the 10 year term, then that will extend your term out for six months. If you have, then of that term can't go beyond 10 years. That interest-free period you could you can use for three three kind of you've got three bites of the cherry if you like three sets of six months 
And again, they can be used back to back. So if the customer is still struggling after that first six months, they can extend it again. So all of our customers can access pay as you grow um, on the online bank. So they just need to log into their online portal and be able to select that. And we have seen that of, of the first three months of uh, customers that have entered, started entering loan repayment time, around 50% of customers have, have taken up a pay as you go option. As I said, most of those have been like roughly half of those have been on, uh, on, on the 10 year term. And it seems to be slightly more popular for, for limited companies or business current account customers, whereas sole traders, where the take-up is, is, is over 40%, it's just that's that little bit lower. Um, and obviously, we supported sole traders through bounce-back loans. For, for the C-bill loans, um, where, where a customer is struggling, um, pay-as-you-grow doesn't, doesn't exist as, as such for, for bounce-back, as it does for bounce-back loans. But it's something that where we see where customers are struggling, we would really encourage them to, to give us a call, drop us a message in the app or send us an email. And one of our specialists will, will pick up the phone and have a conversation with that customer and, and help to understand what their challenges are and also how we can look to support them. And we have a range of options that we can look to support them, be it through refinancing or, or term extensions or, or other levels of, of forbearance, as, as we call it in the banking industry. But effectively assistance for those customers to, to help them out. No one wants to go down the track of, of a default. Right? It's, it's not good, for, not good for, for us as the bank. It's not good for the taxpayer. And it's obviously not good for that, that end customer. No one wants to go through that journey. Unfortunately, some customers, I, on, especially on the balance back loan, I, I had no intention of repaying. It's a fraud, really, um, long and short of it. And, and we have seen an element of that. But... The initial kind of estimations that, that fraud would be sort of 40 to 50% of bounce back lending across the industry have been have been wide of the mark and, and it's come in far lower than that, which I, I feel that, I mean, obviously the time will tell, but where customers had no intention to pay ever, we would have seen that by now. So that, especially for that first cohort of customers, they have started, some of those have started making payments. Where there is a default, then we will write to those customers, we will explain what the situation is and encourage them to contact us um, so we can look to resolve that. In the same case, where they miss payment, we will, we will contact the customers, we notify the customers like three months before payments start and then two months and then one month. And then we also provide in-app in notifications right up to the point of when, where, when their payment is due to be taken from their starting account. And where it doesn't, where unfortunately the customer doesn't have their sufficient funds, then we'll contact them and try and understand what their situation is. But that mispayment rate again has been far lower, far better, if you like, than than our um, our kind of forecast, which, which is brilliant. Right, that's exactly what we want to see. We want to see these loans have helped out our customers. Yeah, it's uh, it, it transformed, didn't it? Completely transformed the business lending uh, market, and and will have an impact, I expect, for many years, many years to come. Now, as, as everything has kind of shifted. You, you talk there about, you know, have discussions with the business if they need to look at other options. Um, how do you get involved with accountants? Is, do you just leave the, the business owner to deal with their accountant directly? Or is there something that accountants can do to, to either influence uh, their clients or work with Stalin directly? What, what's your uh, strategy with accountancy firms? 
So, I mean, we work really closely with, with, with our with accountants through through the partner program, ranging from obviously the top 100 firms down to kind of just sole practitioners. And, and we support them with multiple things through uh, through our app and our, our kind of service that, to, to them. Where, where a customer a business customer has got uh, a business application, we, we, we are asked that, that that customer comes to us either via a broker or direct. Um, but we'll absolutely help them with their accountant and therefore their accountant's got questions. As long as we've got permission from that customer, then we can receive accounts uh, and accountant details from, from the accountant and, and enable a simple, smooth lending journey for, for that end client. Um, obviously, there's data protection concerns that we need to make sure that we are fully aware of and, and compliant with and, and we'd always do that but where the accountant can help out and and provide information then then yes that that's really really important obviously it just means that we need to be very careful with with how we manage that through the relationship because our relationship ultimately where there's a business looking to borrow is with that in business um obviously we, we have a lender partner program we work with capitalize and, and a number of number of other lender partners to help induce our lending um, we find that's really beneficial for for our customers who who want to take a bit of the um, legwork. I guess is probably the best way to put it out of that application and let a broker partner do do that work for them. They're they're the experts in that field and help them out. And obviously, accountants will will kind of feed through the capitalized platform and and help on that on that side as well. Yeah, brilliant. Phil, it's uh, it's great to be around when this type of innovation is happening, isn't it? And to just watch how it develops. It is. And like as someone that's been in the banking industry myself and I was in banking for eight, seven or eight years plus um, across a couple of different organisations and a couple of different brands in those organisations, to be fair. Like I've, I've seen one side of banking that where that legacy banking can get tied up and, and is one of the appeals that, we were talking to Ed before we started recording about um, coming over to Starling and, and, and some of those bits. And what, what, do you know what, though? Like the best innovation I think you guys did was uh, around the kid, kid account and the kid spaces and the kids cards. And then like the app, which you recently launched to enable the kids to be able to, like my daughter loves that. And now she can just check her. And it's, it's so simple. And I, you know, it's just innovations like that that whether they're from you guys, um, and I hope they carry on coming, um, but whoever they're from, it's really nice to just see the, the UK banking sector just become a bit more innovative than it has been, because it's been such a grey industry in terms of innovation for so many years. And, you know, I know uh, a, a, another bank that when I was at FinTech, we went to talk to them and they had like a whole floor in central London that was their innovation development hub. And... I think we went to see them like five years ago, uh, like yeah, probably six years ago. I still don't know if that innovation hub has actually produced anything that's been released. And you kind of go, there's a lot of people sat in a room coming up with some great ideas, but not actually doing anything. The fact that Starling can, and, and banks like you guys can turn it around um, and also then be driven by those innovations. So look, Ed, uh, thanks for joining us today. It's been really great to kind of talk to you about that. I have one last question though. And this question we asked to all of our guests um, we'd like to know what excites you about the future. What excites me about the future? I'll touch on that that child card, and that child card is a brilliant innovation. And, and my children are a little bit young for it, but very much when they when they hit that that kind of six year old, I think it, it's 
it's something that that I'll definitely be looking to to get for them. What excites me about the future? I think with, with Starling, we we can do whatever we want to do. We're looking to expand into Europe. We've we've got endless options as to what we can do, um, and ultimately we'll be led by our customers and we'll be led by our, what our customers want. And that's that's a really exciting proposition. Um, and I, I'm just looking forward to to the next. The, I've been here a year, a year or a year or so now, uh, 15 months, and I think it's a it's a long time. When my when I first joined, my boss said that a starting week is is longer than any other week. I think a starting year has been we've achieved a huge amount, and um, I think with the prospects for the next year are are kind of all but endless, and and there's lots of innovation to come. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a fintech thing where like two two years in, in a or a year in a fintech is worth seven years in a normal job. I think, and that, and that like everyone says that, and and whether it's a, a Starling or a Capitalize or 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 one of the many other great fintechs that are out there, it's absolutely true. You you learn so much, you go through so much change, you go through so much innovation, and you absolutely come out the other side of it with with just so much more kind of excitement and it's so it's so i could never go back to working in a normal job anymore it's like the, the whole fintech thing is is crazy and i think kirsty you got a, you got a glimpse of that yesterday when you're in the office like kirsty's quite used to working in in a quiet office and quiet accountancy firms she comes into our loud office in london there's only about probably only 15 20 people well, probably 15 people in yesterday it was quite a quiet day in the office but even so i mean even you i think even you sat there at one point and you were like wow this is different <laughs> Well, I've, I've worked on my own for a long time as well, so I've not even been in offices. But, um, yeah, I think I had to go and shut the door on you at one point, didn't I? Because your, your <laughs> meeting was getting a bit boisterous. And I, was just, <laughs> I was trying to write a piece of content and I just couldn't concentrate. So, yeah, sorry. Good job, I know you well enough, even though we haven't met in person that often. <laughs> I know, right? Um, look, Ed, thank you very much. Uh, good luck to uh, everyone at Starling and, um, and you know, keep supporting SMEs because ultimately that's that's what this podcast service is, is accountant supporting SMEs. And the more innovations you can bring to the market and, and lending products that you can bring to the market, the more that us at Capitalized accountants and, and, and SMEs have more tools to play with. And that's only ever going to go towards that kind of vision of building healthier balance sheets. So brilliant stuff. Thank you very much. And Kirsty, that's it. That's our last guest yeah. of season two of the podcast. How quick has that gone? Yeah, it has flown again. And we're already planning season three, but first we have to do a wrap-up episode of season two with our best bits. So that'll be fun again. Yeah, I like that. I like our wrap-up where we look back at our guests and, and some of the, the great things they said. And we've had some you know amazing guests from some amazing businesses this across this season. And, you know, I, I've been genuinely um, shocked and inspired by the great guests that we've had on shocked that they've agreed to come on to talk to me and you um, not really, uh, but also inspired by like, like their vision, how they're approaching things, what they're looking to do and, and, and how they're supporting accountants and, and advice they've given and, 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 and tools that they're developing to support SMEs down the line. And it just shows that this last year has been last 18 plus months. It's been really tough. For businesses, it's been really tough for accountants. It's been really tough for banks. Um, yeah, it's been really tough for, for everyone. But out of it comes innovation and new opportunities and new ways of doing things. And that's exciting, right? 
it's the turning point, isn't it? It can be it can be an opportunity to be a real turning point, and we'll look back on this time in history. Yeah, funny enough, like on that, and I'm just going to quickly tell you a story. Um, I was told a story last night by um by someone that said that they were in uh that they had a massive catalyst for change. They had a catalyst for change. They always wanted to be paper free in the office, and then one day they had an office fire, and they then from that point onwards never had a pay, never had a filing cabinet in the office, and you kind of go. I love that. Sometimes it takes that massive catalyst for change, that disaster, that catastrophe, that that thing. But then everything changes from that. And I feel like we're on the cusp of that. Yeah. Next week, you, we will dive into myself and or next episode, sorry, we'll dive into myself and Kirsty's um, things that we're excited for in the future. Because I think it's probably a good, good time to ask us. But just to say thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the podcast. If you are listening to this for the first time, you can subscribe uh, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and I'm sure all the standard podcast players that you have out there. There is video in the link, uh, so you can watch this podcast as well um, on the Capitalized Vimeo channel. And, uh, you know, if you want to find out more about what we do at Capitalized, www.capitalized.com and futurepositivecommunity.com. And of course, you can find out more at, about Starling at starlingbank.com. So thanks for listening. Myself and Kirsty will be back for the very final episode of season two of Future Positive podcast uh, next time out. But until then, stay safe. And uh, thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye.